0: You know what I used to struggle with? Eating a diet that's nutrient dense enough for me to get all of my dietary needs met through what I eat alone. I am no longer a passenger on that struggle bus because one tasty scoop of athletic greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral probiotic, green superfood blend and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in my diet, increase my energy and focus, aid with digestion and supports a healthy immune system all without the need to take multiple products or pills cause baby I can't do it. And it's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it just fits. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during these times. And they're offering my audience a free year supply of vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. So you'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. To redeem your offer, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash sis Again, to redeem your offer of one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs, visit athleticgreens.com slash sis. Too often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar. How has life been treating you, but more importantly, how have you been treating yourself? As always, I truly hope you're well, and I really mean that when I say that. I hate to see or hear that people are going through it, especially my tribe, which is you. So as you know, we are in the month of February and here in the United States that means it's Black History Month. Yay. <laughs> this year we're doing things a little bit differently at uh, the BWLS well, podcast. We want to honor our ancestors in a unique way. That's by taking care of and honoring ourselves. Self-compassion, radical joy, rest, and pleasure are all important aspects of our well-being. And I believe that by embracing them, we can continue the legacy of beauty and resilience passed down by generations of the Black women before us. We'll be exploring how we can use these qualities to create a life that's more meaningful and fulfilling, not just for ourselves, but for those around us as well. And before we hop into what that truly means, um, let's I have two quick announcements. So the first one is that we are so excited to announce the launch of the Inner Circle. This is an exclusive community for the Be Well Assist members to connect, share, and support each other on our journeys. And for this month, the Inner Circle is free to join. However, starting in March, it will transition to a paid model. So now is the perfect time to join and experience all that the Inner Circle has to offer. So I've mentioned it previously, but that was like a little soft launch so this is like the hard launch like we are here we are doing it um so i have linked down below where you can join our um group on Geneva um, and then I will also link the page on the website where you can learn exactly what that all entails and what you'll get from it so aside from building relationships with women who are like-minded and aside from essentially being part of our group chat there's so much more that comes with being part of the inner circle um, so we have monthly workshops led by um, soulful insightful deep bomb women some of whom have been on the podcast before and others who have not quite yet. Um, and we just have so much more activities that are for us. Um, for now it is a virtual membership, but the hope and the goal is to eventually have in-person, um, Meetups and things like that um, as the year progresses and as we um, get our footing in the membership. So join us, like I said, for this month. It is completely free. It is something that's been on my heart for a very long time that I've been working towards for a very long time. And I'm super excited to just, you know, put it out there and for us to join. Um, Like I said, it's free just for this month only because for me, I did... I wanted you guys to have something, a place for us to convene and commune and also like a continuation of the podcast, but in real life, um, but in real time, excuse me. And I just didn't feel right charging my people during Black History Month. So for this month, it is completely free. And then we will transition to a paid model in March. So what that means is once you join in, you are essentially grandfathered in. Um, starting in March, all new members will have to pay a, um, small, um, fee to help us, um, Yeah, to help keep things going. So that is the first uh, announcement. And the second announcement is just a reminder to follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the podcast episodes from so that you're alerted to new episodes and you never miss one. I was looking at my stats and it shows that many of you aren't subscribed, but you still continue like you're still returned to listen. So do us both a favor and hit subscribe or follow on whatever app you um, listen on. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and just share an episode with a friend and or on your socials, you know, this while you're there, I might as well go ahead, hit subscribe. It's completely free y'all um, to listen to these podcasts. So just, just do us both that favor and then share with a friend, the more the merrier. <laughs> um, so yeah, so let us continue. So Getting back to the episode, let us talk about the legacy of the Black Diaspora. So I want to start by acknowledging that the legacy of the Black Diaspora is more than just pain. It's a legacy of joy, love, and resilience, despite the challenges and oppression faced. Our ancestors faced and overcame unimaginable adversity, and in doing so, they paved the way for us to stand proud today. And when I talk about the legacy of the Black diaspora, it's so important to acknowledge the incredible achievements that have come out of this legacy. From the music, the art, and culture, to the political and social movements, the Black community has had a profound impact on shaping the world in which we live today. And it's these achievements and contributions that we celebrate during Black History Month. This is our time to formally recognize and honor the sacrifices and struggles of our ancestors, but also to acknowledge and embrace the beauty and the strength of our community. One of the common ways of honoring our ancestors is by educating ourselves about their experiences and their history. This can include reading books, watch documentaries, and visiting historical sites related to that. Education is a powerful tool in understanding and honoring our heritage, but another way to honor our ancestors by practicing and preserving our cultural traditions, whether it's through music, dance, food, or art, preserving our cultural traditions keeps our ancestors' memories and spirits alive. And it's not just about preserving the past. It's also about continuing to innovate and create new traditions that reflect our experiences and our communities today. By doing so, we are honoring their legacy and showing that their story is not yet over and that their legacy continues to grow and evolve. But I want us to take it a step further. How can we make sure that we're living up to the legacy of our ancestors, carrying their story forward and truly reaping the rewards of their sacrifices? You might ask, how is honoring ourselves a way to honor our ancestors? Well, all month long, the episodes of this podcast will explore just that. Honoring ourselves is all about taking care of ourselves, both physically and mentally. This means making healthier choices, engaging in self-care, and pursuing our passions and interests. It's about creating a life for ourselves that we can be proud of, and that reflects the strength and resilience of our ancestors. And it's not just about individual self-care, it's also about taking care of our communities whether that's through activism, volunteering, or simply, truly being there for one another, it's important that we support and uplift each other. You know, community has been the foundation of the daily life and success of the Black diaspora. Those who came before us fought not just for themselves, but for their communities. And by taking care of ourselves and our communities, we're honoring their legacy and ensuring that their sacrifices were not in vain. So that is brings us to today's episode. Today's episode features Kelly Bonner. She is a expert company culture strategist, um, award-winning podcaster, and founder of Burn Bright Consulting, which transforms workplaces by reducing burnout and bias, resulting in increased innovation and inclusion. She provides a framework for leaders to understand the deeper organizational issues that lead to symptoms of burnout and how to solve them at their core. Having served on the Gender Policy Committee for the White House, as well as the International Women's Economic Security Council, Kelly impacts culture and policy across the globe. She was also handpicked by the Biden administration to assist in the development of a national framework for workplace safety and harassment. She has worked with several federal and international organizations to create safer environments and strategies for violence prevention, including the U.S. military, Library of Congress, National Academy of Sciences, the United Nations, and NATO. Ooh, sis is accomplished. (laughs) In our conversation, we delve into self-compassion, her philosophy of to heal and to help, giving yourself space to explore your identity and passion, and what it means to embrace a life of ease. This conversation really came at the right time for me, and I hope you'll gain some new perspectives and insight on what honoring yourself and in turn those who came before you means. Thanks so much for joining, and I'm so, so glad you're here. Be well, sis. Be well, sis, is very much an advocate for therapy, and I believe that you don't have to be in crisis in order to seek help and get support. Life is complicated. We all wear many hats, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. Starting therapy years ago has been pivotal in helping me be a better mother, daughter, and partner. It's truly been a game changer in how I view myself and the world around me. So Be well Sis is proud to be sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy platform whose mission is to make professional therapy accessible, affordable, and convenient. So anyone who struggles with life challenges can get help anywhere and anytime. Join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bewellsis. That's betterhelp.com slash bewellsis. So today I have Kelly Bonner with us. She is a therapist extraordinaire as well as the host of Black Girl Burnout, which is a podcast to help us get out of burnout and just to thrive, to live our best lives. So I'm so happy to have you here. How are you?
1: I am doing okay. I'm so excited to be here. This is a podcast I love, so I'm excited to talk to you.
0: I'm excited to have you. Um, I feel like we have, um, like, I feel like for the past... Few months like we've been aware of each other and then have been missing each other. So I'm so happy that I got a chance to be on your podcast. Now yes. you're here, um, so I'm excited to talk about all all the things mental um, and emotional wellness for us. Yeah. Um, so as I was as I was telling you before, um, the theme for um, Black History Month here on uh, Be Well Sis is to honor them. We honor ourselves. So in order to honor our ancestors, we honor ourselves. I think. We spend a lot of time learning about the people who came before us and admiring all their good work um, and are grateful for what they're what they've done. But I don't think we think about if they're looking down at us, are they happy with how with their efforts, like all things that they've done, like with us just on the individual basis, you know, how we take care of ourselves and nourish ourselves. So because you are the expert on burnout and recovering from burnout and how to stay out of the cycle of burnout, um, in what ways can we, and do you honor yourself?
1: Yeah, I love this question. I love the theme that you all discover It's very parallel to what I've been talking about on my podcast. I have an episode about that too. So this is a this is just like Perfect timing. So how the question was, how do I honor myself Uh, in a lot of ways? I I've been saying that I really do believe like I'll start general and then go very narrow. So I will just say Mm -hmm. generally one of the things that I think about a lot is that I think it's our journey in life to both heal and help. Like we're on two tracks to heal and to help. And that looks very different to many different people. Right. Like healing is going to therapy. Healing might be walking every day. And conversely, helping might be that I have a child and I raise this child to not be a menace to society, but to actually contribute to the world, right? And it could also be that I have this grand mission to revolutionize the tech space, right? But I do believe that we have these two parallel tracks in life. So my initial way that I honor myself is by checking in on what's healing and what's, help. what, what am I doing to heal? What am I doing to help? And so on an individual level now to Kelly, cause I don't have no babies and I don't work in the tech space. Uh, <laughs> what do I do in an individual level is on the healing piece is it's a daily practice of like grace or compassion and a daily kind of check-in to seeing like, am I staying true to what's most important to me? So what my values are. So I I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist and I tell people I go in and out of perfectionism, like recovery by the minute. Uh, So I'm not by any means totally out of that. So compassion for me is a huge piece of my healing journey is being able to be compassionate about what I didn't get done, what I wanna get done, overbooking, still having the tendency to do that. And then, and the other part about really thinking about how am I honoring what's most important to me? You know, Do, for me, what's important is what makes me excited is being passionate about the work I do, being able to be creative in some ways. Do I get to be myself in the day. And that is how I honor. Like I kind of have a checklist. Like was I able to do those things? Then I've had a good day and I've honored myself. Mm-hmm. And on the helping track, then there's the piece, of the other pieces, right? Was I able to contribute in a way that I feel is meaningful each day? And that doesn't have to be, like I said, it's not this grand ambitious thing. It doesn't have to be a change the world in a day. It could just be like I checked in on my family and my friends because that's important to me. You know, I sent a text and I said, oh yeah, I need to check in. Or it could be as simple as, you know, I worked toward, you know, recording an episode of the podcast, whatever that is, how have I helped? And I think it's those two tracks together that ultimately makes up how I, I honor myself.
0: I think that's so beautiful. Um, I really appreciate the the healing and the helping like those two parallels. And I think they actually kind of intersect sometimes too. Um, I know for me when I'm really down because I suffer from depression, right? So when I'm really, really down, I intentionally figure out who can I help right now? How can I be helpful to the people around me? Because it's healing in a way, like it makes me feel good. I don't know if that's just the people pleaser in me. I don't know, but I I think they intersect for sure. Um, And I appreciate your thought about compassion. I think that's something that a lot of us really struggle with. We can be compassionate to others, but when it comes to ourselves, like we have a really hard time being compassionate to ourselves. So for those of us who are struggling with finding compassion for ourselves, what do you think is a good start? a good place to start.
1: Yeah, someone who's also on the journey, right? So it's like what do <laughs> I try to do to give myself compassion? I I it's a daily kind of journey for me about keeping in balance where I want to go with where I am and allowing just allowing that to exist, right? Like I there's all these goals. You ask me any time of the day, I have 55 goals, but where am I existing? Maybe on two of them, right? <laughs> that I've mm-hmm. checked off and being okay with that and understanding. I think the first step is understanding that this is A life's work. And I think the mistake that we make is we think that healing is some, you know, destination, like in five years, we will be healed. No, you're never really fully healed. But we're on this journey. It's like a process. And so as a part of that, instead of saying, you know, well, when I get here, I'll be healed. It's more like it's a daily celebration of the fact that I'm even doing that, that I went to therapy, right? That I, it's a daily celebration that I, you know, drank water instead of, you know, dehydrating myself all day long, running around, you know, feeling depleted. And so when you start to reframe what successful is, it lends to compassion, right? It's like this is a life. This is, the you know, the marathon, not the sprint metaphor and so because of that, what are the small, small things I can do that I can feel like I've done something? Because I think we yeah. we as humans intrinsically want to accomplish, right? But making mm-hmm. it reasonable so that we have successes to celebrate. And then we also have gratitude for those successes. So we allow ourselves, I think, the space to be compassionate because we've reframed what success is for each day and each moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so good. I um was thinking about how, while you were talking about how I would show up like last year, maybe the year before to therapy. And I'm like, I'm so frustrated. I'm just like, you know, we've been together for a while now and you're an amazing therapist, but why am I not healed? And she's just like, girl, um." (laughs) (laughs) she was like, you've made strides. Like you've grown. Like, can you see your growth? I'm just like, yeah, I I can see my growth, but how come I'm not together yet? She's just like, girl like it's a practice like we yes. are all just practicing like it's yeah. a practice it's a journey like you said um and where do you think the struggle with self-compassion comes from
1: I think it's it, I think it's historical and cultural like that's kind of my lens with how I see the black experience a lot and particularly the black woman's experience is that I think we have not had space historically to even explore identity, to explore Mm. passions. You know, I talk a lot about joy as well. I'll circle back to that later, but there just isn't space for that historically. And when we look generationally, that just gets passed on. It's like just getting through the day, just getting things done. And so as a result, there isn't room for compassion because there isn't room for, you know, I'm struggling. There isn't room, Mm -hmm. there's not permission to be and when you don't feel like culturally you have permission to be, the kind of fallout from that is that you just push, 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 go, go, go. Yeah. I should be better, I should do better. Why haven't I done this? Why? It's just this very negative and critical lens. And I feel that like we've been programmed to to kind of do that because if you're an African American, for example, your legacy is one of like hard work. yes, Like working an inhuman amount of labor and, yes being measured by inhuman amounts of labor. And so it trickles, obviously no one is being expected to go out into a field and labor there, but it, that, that, that attitude has trickled down. So it's not, I have to pick 400 pounds of cotton. It's more like I need to do 50 things off my checklist to be valuable because our value historically has been rooted in the work we have done. And so I think that that's that's part of it. And I think with the diaspora, there's still some much commonalities that I think it wouldn't be that far off as well if you were in Africa or the Caribbean and other places.
0: This year, we're taking control of our health. And a simple way to do so is by taking the initiative to order your own blood work. Did you know that according to research published in the National Institute of Health Database, that about 42% of the U.S. population is vitamin D deficient? Unfortunately, many of us aren't routinely checked for deficiencies during any of our checkups and our insurance companies make it super difficult to get assessed for certain things. That's why I'm so happy to partner with Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy and provides more autonomy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. From hormonal health panels to STI tests to micronutrient levels, vitamin D levels, cortisol tests, thyroid tests, and so much more, let's put your health back into your own hands. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. And once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online portal within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to feel more empowered in your health and wellness and get tested at home, visit trylgccom slash and get 25% off your test using code BeWellSys. Again, visit trylgccom slash WellSys for 25% off of your testing. For sure, for sure. And I'm so happy that you made that so plain. Um, When we talk about, when people talk about like, you know, generational traumas, I think we forget that piece, but that is a major piece, you know, um, that our worth was tied to how much we produced and that's it. I think even now that I'm thinking about it, just specifically, if we think about black men um, and the conversation that are happening right now online with like, High value, which I hate that term Girl. so much because we are all valuable. Get
1: one term. It's high value. Oh,
0: that's that one. My goodness. I'm going to say, what, what is that? Auction, man. Truly. Auction.
1: It's giving Truly. slave
0: block auction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they just don't see it. Your value is not tied to how much you make, what you do for a living. None of those things matter. You as a human being, you are intrinsically valuable just yes. because. That's yes. it. Um, but going back to the generational trauma, I think a lot of us just don't realize how much of that has, is part of our legacy and that we have to actively work to undo that and step away from that for sure. And, and it's hard in this society though, because just American culture in general is like be productive and productivity, uh, above all. And it's just, it's a lot.
1: <laughs> it's, it's that. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. It's that. And this belief, this false belief that wellness is whiteness, that Mm. healing is whiteness. Like, who gets to heal and who gets to thrive is a very white picture. And and that is again, historical too. But currently, let's just look at right now, right? What you're saying is we have a culture that's obsessed with productivity. That is absolutely not debatable. But what is also interesting is that in these wellness spaces, it tends to be filled with white, whiteness. And yeah. you know, a lot of white women, and it's women's work too. Let's also be clear across gender lines. It is a female identified folks and women who are considered able to pursue wellness, right? So, mm. and I, I do think that we, I have conversations with people, which is really interesting where people will say that, you know, I, I don't see like when they see wellness, they're like, well, that's not for black folks. We have to reappropriate it for black folks. And I'm like, uh, strolling on the beach isn't Hello. for black folks. Like yeah. and I mean, against the aesthetic they're responding to. But it's like, no, mm-hmm. let's really break that down. Are you really saying that like. You know i have this interesting conversation i don't want to derail us on like is brene brown for white folks or not or black brown folks and people being like there's a a community it's like it's not for brown folks i'm like so you're telling me a a white woman who's living her best life i'm a social worker so i'm like girl get that million dollars ain't nobody getting a million dollars in the social work field anyways it's like (laughs) so i reject that not that i don't think there's nuance and ways to apply a thing or to make it more culturally familiar Mm -hmm. That's not a debate. I'm on board with that. You know, Mm -hmm. Brene Brown is a middle class white woman. She wasn't she's not thinking about, you know, lower class black folks or middle class Mm -hmm. black folks for that matter. Mm -hmm. But it's this fundamental cynicism that pursuing a lifestyle like that is somehow not available for us. And it gets Mm -hmm. overpackaged as not for us. Well, okay, yes, I get you. I may not be able to relate with somebody doing, you know, yoga in in their, you know, mansion. But Mm -hmm. uh, I want that. I want to have a life where I get up and I'm like, I'm going to do yoga and stretch it out. And I'm going to hug my puppy because that's my life. That's not a white thing. No, that's a good life that everyone is entitled to. And I refuse to buy into that narrative that that's not accessible for me because that is absolutely what I want. And it's not attached to a financial amount. It's just the concept of like that being well, that being vulnerable, that being courageous, that being well, you know, open and flexible and joyous is Mm -hmm. denied us. It's like, Mm -hmm. I I reject that. And I think that that's also in some ways white supremacist thinking, like they want you to think, oh, that's for you, that's not for me. I gotta be out grinding and hustling and you gotta make it grind and hustle language, which is why we have high value men and high value women. Like, no, we, you know, you deserve that too. That's what I want. Yes. And it's my human right.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Oh, you said that so, so phenomenally because yes to all of that. And again, I think it's also the trauma because yes. we're not used to necessarily seeing ease. A lot of us, like we yes. see our parents, our parents are our first models or our caretakers, are our first models, and we see them grinding and hustling from sun up to sundown seven days a week. So we think that's what we should be doing too. And that's yeah. like a mark of adulthood. And I think a lot of people arrive to adulthood and say that adulting sucks because yes. there is so much work there's no fun like mm-hmm. where is the fun and i think we've been lied to and we have been indoctrinated with the white supremacist thinking that we should constantly be working and that and grinding we need ease like yes whatever brings you ease run to that you know as quickly as possible
1: and and i think that you you say that really beautifully, and it, it is very close to what I believe, right? I study intergenerational trauma, but I also look at like the language we use. I'm somebody who's really, as a therapist who did a lot of narrative therapy work, the words we use matter. And, you know, adulting being synonymous with like adulting sucks, like being welcome Mm -hmm. to adulthood. You know, I used to say the struggle is real. I have actually these giant, fabulous wine glasses that say the struggle is real. And I would say (laughs) it all the time as my language, like, girl, the struggle is real. And I still sometimes catch myself saying it, but I had to unpack that. And that became like, honestly, the foundation of Black Girl Burnout was me saying that we could wait a minute. Who said that the struggle has to be real for us every day, twenty four seven? There's Mm -hmm. an option to opt out of that. Like we don't have to stay. And what you said, opting into a life of ease, that there's decision points that we have the power to not make our lives, you know, a struggle or it suck. And then think Mm -hmm. that that's just the way it has to be, that there's a way to opt out of that. And it's by changing our language and really challenging it and unpacking, like, how are we manifesting every day, making it true that the struggle is real? Because if yes. I'm saying it all day long, then how am I then living and working in a world where I'm expecting struggle or expecting adulting to be terrible or expecting to be exhausted, right? Like I start to form my world to make that mm-hmm. a reality.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's real. Um, when we talk about manifestation, we don't realize, like people are like looking like, how do I manifest? And, you know, reading books about how do I manifest? There's so much power in our tongue and what we think. So we create our world, like you just said, for sure. Um, One of the things that my husband says frequently is um, we're the adults now, because sometimes like my oldest will ask us questions and I'm just like, I don't know, this is the way we do it, but we don't have to do it this way. And And he'll be like, we're the adults now. So we can make our own rules. Like it's our home. We can make our own rules. So with that, it's our own lives. Like we have ownership for how we live our lives, you know? Um, and to really embrace that will really bring us the ease, the joy, and all of those things um, that may have been missing earlier on.
1: And connect, yes, to all of that and connect back to the fact of like how we honor our ancestors. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing I think about, too. You know, I, you know, get almost really emotional when I think about my grandmother and I think, think about my mother and I think about the lineage of women before me who worked terribly hard terribly terribly hard to give me the life i have now and it's like what am i doing with that gift they they would not even and i mean we understand that certain of our parents are in different stages of healing and unhealed that couldn't have this conversation but i do believe at the bottom of most people not everyone that they want better for their kids than they had for themselves. Even if they can't mm-hmm. say it, even if they don't behave in an agreement or accordance with that, most people want that. And so it's like in a way to honor them, I try to live my best life for the life that my mother couldn't have. But my mother is like radically enjoying it now. She's a very joyful person. I want to be clear about that. But for the life that she couldn't have at my age, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And for the life that my grandmother for sure did not have, At my age. Right. And her mother before that, like that lineage. And I think that we've gotten away from, yes, our lineage, if you are African-American and even in the diaspora is has pain in it and has significant amounts of trauma, but we discount the joy that like Mm -hmm. actually what's in our DNA is joy. is that the African tradition is a joyful tradition. The colors, the scents, the sounds, the ease to a degree, right? It's the disruption by colonialism that has made it different, right? But really we're joyful people, listen to our music. Like if you just wanna know what joy looks like, listen Mm -hmm. to some of our music. And so it's like, for me, it's like to honor both myself and my ancestors, I need to express the joy that's in me, that is in my DNA and is my actual birthright as a way to honor them, otherwise, what is it all for? Like, what could this be? And what was the point of their sacrifices if that is how, you know, would, and I don't mean to be like too deep on this, but like, would the slaves wanna see us hustle culturing? Like y'all got free and you got five jobs? Are you serious right now? Are you, you're worse than, you might be even worse than us because we didn't have a choice. Like, how are you imprisoning yourself this way. And I don't want to minimize that people have struggles and finances and things that they may need to do that. I don't want to like gloss over people's pain and realities. But I do want to say that there are some of us who have freedom. We've been blessed. We're okay. We have good lives. It's not too terrible, it's not perfect. And yet we and we continue to hustle on top of hustle. And it's like who I can't even imagine the opportunity that someone in our ancestors ancestral line would would just literally give everything for. To sit on the couch and just be or to smile with their family. And here we are being like, I got to be on my phone. I got to, you know, make a deal. I got to do this thing. You know, I got to be a high value person. Like, it is absurd. Like, the honoring of our ancestors is to pursue a path of ease, as you say, which I agree with, and of joy. Like, that's actually what they want from us as a culture. And we need to honor that.
0: Hello. Oh, you are speaking to me like my soul is so happy right now. Absolutely. <laughs> and it makes you think about um, black girl luxury. I used to love the concept when it first started. I'm just like, yes, I love seeing this. But now I think it's changing something else. Now it's like the pursuit of like luxury goods and not necessarily the luxury of just being. And it's like, all right, so now If you look online, it will look like everybody makes half a million dollars a year, right? Um, Especially in black girl luxury. Like everybody is supposedly like very rich. Um, But that's not the case. So I know that people are hustling hard to have those labels and to have those fancy vacations constantly um, and it's just, I think it's painting the wrong picture. Like that's not what luxury is. And going back to what you were saying about our ancestors, I think they want the luxury to just be, to just yes. wake up one day and not have to like toil outside in the, in the sun to wake up one day and to like be with their family and their friends to dance, to laugh, to sing, you know, all of those things. I think that is what luxury truly is. And not necessarily the Chanel's and all those things, which is, if that's your thing, that's fine too, right. but the pursuit of it, like, are you working like 14 hours a day to get that Chanel? Then for me, it's no longer luxury. Cause you had right. to, you know, um, it's a prison for that. Right.
1: It's a, it becomes your own prison, your own kind of financial enslavement, which mm-hmm. a lot of people do. And again, I think it's it's another exercise in like being cynical and not thinking of the brighter side of life. It's cynical to say, I can't have joy, so I will have Chanel. Mm-hmm. And again, to be clear, that doesn't mean that you can't have a Chanel bag and love right. it. But when the trade-off is I'm going to work 15 hours to have this bag There's something very cynical about that. That's saying that what I really want isn't the Chanel bag and not to, you know, beat up on Chanel, any luxury (laughs) good. Right. Because I mean, Mm -hmm. if anyone wants to give me a Chanel bag, I'll take it. Like, let me not Same. To be clear. (laughs) To be clear. (laughs) I'm not going to turn that down. But what I'm saying is like luxury goods and obsessions with having them at a personal cost is you saying to yourself, I can't have what really is associated with that luxury good which is comfort or, you know, beauty or those things, abundance. It it may look like I have abundance because I have Mm -hmm. this particular luxury good. It's saying I can't actually have that really. So I'm going to trade that off for this thing Mm -hmm. because I can't have it like yeah. you know, because I can't have this, I'm gonna trade it off. And so that mindset to me, again, it's it's cynical. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. you can have that. And that's not a accompanied, it could be with luxury goods. It could mm-hmm. be with nothing. It could be none mm-hmm. of those things. That like beauty and those abundance and comfort is something you can create internally and in your mm-hmm. world at any moment you want. It's not dependent on hustling or yeah. fighting or pushing and not the opposite of ease to have a thing right? It just, to me, it, it feels very much like we've, we, some of us, and sometimes even I'm in that, we lose sight of that.
0: For sure. For sure. And I think also it's just part of our society. Our society is like a very much like creates desire. And then we get on that hamster wheel to yeah. get that thing. And then there's another thing that we want, get back on that wheel. So I think it's part of the culture. So it really, it takes lots of intention to divest from that um yes for sure yeah and and even myself I, I was thinking about that like the always wanting the next thing like what's the next thing for you know um just thinking about like my house i'm just like do we need to get a bigger house for what i have these two kids that's it like shop is closed like you know we're we're okay we don't need a bigger for what you know and i think it's part of our culture to want more
1: And more of the wrong things, right? Like I just, I just had this conversation with myself too, where I was thinking, like, I'm actually downsizing my life, and I'm being like, you know, and it's not because things are times are tough, or it's like, oh, it's this, or you know, homelessness. It is an intentional choice because I, and it's, and the, it may seem like counterintuitive or ironic that it's like I want a life of abundance, therefore I'm downsizing, but it is that. It's like I, Mm -hmm. it's reframing what is important to me. And yes. that oftentimes when we do these kinds of things of like going, stretching ourselves, going beyond, it is, uh, again, it's that cynicism, but it's also like scarcity mindset. It's like the fact that if I don't have the biggest house in the block, well, what does that say about me? Right. Or is that say that I made it? Or what if I never have an opportunity again? And instead, you know, I'm adopting the, the belief system that like there is always more for me. You know, like mm-hmm. my affirmation daily is like there's more – and more and still more. Yes. That doesn't end. And so because of that, why wouldn't I not just cut down some funds? Cause I I'm bougie. And I like, like I said, I'm not trying to beat up on nobody cause I like certain things that I like. Right. Right. But it's like, I know that there's more waiting for me more of what I really want, which like use is ease. Mm-hmm. It's community it's peace. And that is that's the trade-off, but it's a beautiful one because getting stuck mm-hmm. in like, well, now I've made this much money. I need this car. I need to reflect that. It keeps you trapped from actually enjoying that's an abundance that you don't get to enjoy it because you're busy thinking, well, how am I going to get this payment? We're in a recession, yes. whatever that mentality is. Cause that's always shifting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it goes back to your point that, that you need to reframe what does success mean to you? Like it's for me, I had to do this, um, this exercise over like a year before last, I had to think, what do I really want? A lot of us were told what success looks like either from our parents or from TV and the media, but I'm just like, no, what do I really want for my life? What does success mean for me? And then go about living my life for, to get that thing, you know, or to attain that success. Um, so I think that's what you have been, been doing. Like, what does success look like for you? Well, I want to have a bunsen ABC and D. And, and that's yeah. what we all should do.
1: And it varies, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it, mm-hmm. what my success, and the problem is like you were saying with like getting caught up in like commercialism and buying a mm-hmm. thing is that you're going, you're buying into someone else's standard of what success is. And it, right. sometimes that may be yours. Again, that's fine. If it's yours and it's true, mm-hmm. then go do it and be happy. Mm-hmm. But it varies. What my mm-hmm. life looks like doesn't need to be what your look, life looks like if we're both right. happy.
0: and we're not harming
1: anybody like that's fine you get we get to choose and again it's back to that whole thing of we have choices we're empowered we're not we're not stuck we're not in any way enslaved mentally we get to choose the life we want we just need to know that we can opt out of the track that people put us on because they'll put you on a track like we're happy for you to grind yourself while other people are on the beach chilling you know that's fine you do whatever you want right we're happy to do that. That you can choose something different. That you can opt out of that kind of lifestyle and opt into the one you choose, at however that looks, and feel empowered to do that.
0: Yes. This this um, spring, I'm getting chickens. That for me, oh. if I can, if the chickens can survive <laughs> and uh, give me some eggs, I will feel successful in a in a garden, year round garden, but. I love that. Five years ago, that would not be me. Like, I look at myself and I'm just like, who is this person? She's <laughs> she's kind of quirky, but I, I I dig her. Like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> she's happy. She's out here with she's her chicken. Yes, yeah, she is happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this was really, really good. I Before we wrap up, I really want to get into Black Girl Burnout. What inspired Black Girl Burnout? And give us the overview of what it is about. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I'll start with what the overview of what it's about, and then I'll tell you what inspired it. Is that I the Black Girl Burnout basically is this? It's like a short kind of micro podcast three times a week, where the goal is is to provide folks with this concept of like the opt out. Like you can opt out of the things that that interrupt your healing and and harm you and what you can opt into and the belief that historically and culturally we've been fed lies historically we've been fed lies and then culturally we've re- we've re- like told the lies to each other that women and particularly black women their life is one of of struggle and 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 hustle and not one that which it truly is which ties back to your theme about honoring our ancestors which i really believe our birthright and our legacy and inheritance whatever word you want to use is joy is beauty, is like this abundance, is community. Those are the things that we actually inherited, not this struggle, everything's hard kind of mentality. So the podcast is foundationally about how do you opt out of that and how you can opt into what your true inheritance is. And so, and there's always like a practice, like a mini mindset shifting, like something for you to consider today, how you can opt out in the smallest way by like, like I said, drinking a glass of water is an opt out. Like I'm opting out of being dehydrated. And I'm yes. opting into feeling moisturized and my skin glowing because I drank yes. some water, right? Like in small <laughs> ways. So that is the, the crux of the podcast. And it came out of the fact that I was having a lot of conversations. One, I had had another podcast. It's okay, mom. Thanks for listening to that one. Um, I'd had another podcast, my one, my one listener. I had another podcast where I had a, an episode called Black Girl Burned Out. And I talked about like my, that I felt like black women had a unique type of burnout. And part of that was rooted in the fact that I kept having conversations with these beautiful, wonderful black women in my life. And there was a running threat of struggle, of mm-hmm. being being like difficult career-wise. We're all complaining about our careers, rightfully so. We're mm-hmm. all, you know, kind of struggling in our personal lives. We're all struggling with some aspect of maybe health or mental health, right, mm-hmm. issues. And the conversation was a lot about how we're resilient in the face of struggle, which is wonderful. But it's like, what if we could take it a step further? And we could just not be in struggle. What if we could just be in celebration and uplifting each other, which I think black women do better than just about anybody, but without the other piece of struggle. And it was out of that, that I kind of felt compelled to one, tell about my own journey to that because I have been burned out. I have done all the things uh, that didn't work. And to say that like we're on this journey together, like let's form a community that helps each other make these healthy choices of opting out each and every day in small ways. And I'm like, beside you on that journey, right? I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not ahead of you. I'm not the, like the guru coming, you know, telling you, Oh, this is what works. I'm like, Hey, this is where I failed. Let's try to opt out of this together and let's do this as a community practice.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it so much. So brilliant. Um, Kelly, this was really, really good. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I will include where we can find her, of course, the podcast down in the show notes um, as well. So it's
1: been wonderful (laughs) chatting with you. It has been something that's been on my mind and my heart to talk with you and be on this incredible, phenomenal podcast. So thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to do a five-star radio on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.